ADP knows anything you hear, anything you don't hear, anything you kind of heard, anything you weren't supposed to hear and now have to pretend like you didn't, can change the world of work. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. Today on the WSJ Media Mix podcast, we speak with Samsung Chief Marketing Officer Mark Mathieu about the power of celebrity endorsements, virtual reality, and advertising agency transparency. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business. Hello and welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast. I'm Stephen Prolberg. As always, I'm joined by my colleague, Jack Marshall. Jack, how are you today? I'm doing very good. Uh, are you... Are you playing Pokemon Go still? Are you watching the convention? What are your? How have your media habits changed in the last week? More convention, less Pokemon. Okay. I think that's pretty much the, the conclusion <laughs> everyone's reached. But um, So we're, we're joined today by uh, Mark Mathieu. He's the chief marketing officer at Samsung. Uh, Mark, we're, we're really happy to have you in the, in the podcast booth today. H- how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, so b- before uh, you were at Samsung, you were at Unilever, you were at Coca-Cola, you've been... Uh, veteran marketing executive for, for a long time. And, um, you know, Jack and I were talking about sort of earlier, we were looking up uh, recent Samsung ads, and we watched the Lil Wayne ad uh, where Lil Wayne sprang champagne on his phone, and it's meant to sort of convey the idea that, you know, that it's possible to get this particular Samsung phone wet. And, you know, celebrity endorsement, celebrity marketing seems to have been kind of a hallmark for, for Samsung. And I'm curious, uh, you know, as other brands have kind of gone to other types of marketing. How, how important are celebrity endorsements to you today? So, I mean, one of the things that uh, uh, we always like to do uh, um, is to think about our brand in the context of not just, you know, technology. This is who we are. This is what we sell. But also in the context of people and, and culture. So for us, uh, it's really one of the ways to connect our, um, our brand with um, with the people who who like Samsung, who buy Samsung, who use Samsung products, is indeed to tapping into popular culture. It's something we do with celebrities like uh, uh, Wayne you just mentioned, and there were a few others, you know, over time that we've used. Something we also do uh, in our very own uh, uh, space, for instance, we launched recently a space in uh, the Meatpacking District here in New York, uh, Samsung 837, where we actually have uh, regular programming uh, around passion points uh, that tap into popular culture. We have some concerts, we have some sports celebrities, we have some uh, some uh, live events, some uh, teletransmissions. And, and all of this is uh, in the aim of actually creating a, more of an experience for people to connect with our brand through you know, their passions, through their everyday life, through the things that matter to them, as opposed to just through you know products and features uh, that that are great, that are important, um, and you're right that we have some great ones like you know water uh, resistance, which is uh, one of the great uh, features. I sure. I can't do on a podcast, otherwise I would I would actually <laughs> uh, yeah, for, know, for our pour, listeners, wa- pour water on my phone and prove that it's actually his, his still working. Put your shirt back on too. This is a family <laughs> podcast. Um, no, so the, I, that's, that's interesting. I think uh, you know it seems to be a bigger part of of your marketing and you know we we're always sort of wondering when it comes to television sort of you know the the perennial question is tv dead you know are marketers kind of moving money to tv from tv to digital and then conversely 
have they corrected? Have marketers moved money, you know, back from digital into TV? How do you think about your marketing mix? Are you going to spend more on digital uh, next year than you are this year? Are you going to spend more on TV next year than you are this year? Well, I mean, marketing is is a little bit like everything. It gets more and more complex and uh, therefore more and more interesting. And we have today so many more channels that we can use to actually bring uh, our message and, and engage with our audiences. What I love about where we are right now is that we're able to, to move from a world where indeed we were you know, talking to the many at scale to a world where we can still do that, but we can also talking to people in context and in a personalized way. In, in ways that uh, that really uh, can be much more engaging, much more relevant. Um, if marketing is all about differentiation and relevance, this this aspect of you know differentiating and 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 creating a relevant uh, way of engaging with our audiences uh, uh, through all the channels that people you know use across their day. Uh, and the number of mediums that they come across sometimes simultaneously. I mean, we even when we talk about since we sell several you know products, people can have a phone and a tablet and a TV on all at the same time. So how do we bring our message to life in a way that doesn't you know say exactly the same thing on each of the three mediums at the same time, which would be kind of bombarding people with a message, but to the contrary, where you use the complementarity of each of the medium and each of the channels to to bring something that's uh, both entertaining uh, and or useful to uh, our audiences. So how do you think about those more sort of traditional channels then? Because, I mean, these days the talk is all sort of digital, and I know we spend a lot of time writing and, and talking about that on this podcast, but... Um, as you say, for a brand like Samsung, you know, obviously you, you still invest heavily in TV. Um, I'm curious, like, is, is it a similar story for like print, for example? And you mentioned some of the more sort of experiential sort of aspects as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think that any medium truly replaces, you know, the previous mediums. It enriches the uh, the palette of a marketer. So it's sort uh, of the additive. Playbook. And, uh, and what's interesting is indeed to... Um, to think, I still believe that some of the, you know, mainstream big medium create kind of like the the framework under which then you can create that contextualization and personalization. So they they almost set the stage. And uh, uh, again, you know, we did a lot of you know work in digital and social. Uh, with the little Wayne ad that you mentioned before. But hadn't we done the ad and put it on TV, we would not have probably had the same level of resonance of all our you know, social and viral activities that, uh, that we engaged on in, uh, in the digital and social channels. Sure. I mean, so when you, you come from a, a background at, at Coke and sort of when people think of rivalries, obviously they think Coke versus Pepsi. When they think rivalries in the space that you're in now, they think Samsung and Apple. Samsung, you know, in, in its marketing a little bit before your tenure, I'm curious whether this extended through your, your tenure as well, um, kind of spoofing Apple, making fun of Apple in its marketing. That's something that maybe you were on the other side of in your, in your previous career at, at Coke. How do you think about that? Is that a part of your strategy now? And do you think that that's um, a winning kind of marketing strategy? I think it's, it's um, uh, first of all, and I have always thought about it. You mentioned Coke. I, I think it's great to have a great competitor. 
So uh, for me, this is when you do your best. And certainly, I mean, I would be lying if I didn't say it's, it's one of the, the things that I, you know, I and I know the rest of my team love about this, this job, this role, is that we actually are um, uh, having a, a great opportunity to, to actually, you know, um, play in, in an area which people care about which consumers really uh, have a, a lot of attention on and they talk about. They, it's, it's an industry in general sure. that, uh, that you know, people are passionate about because you know, they take their phone 150 times a day. Uh, uh, they uh, they you know, watch TVs. They, so it's an industry that's really core to people's passions. Does that, does that make your job easier, do you think? I mean, because people obviously have uh, sort of an inherent personal connection with you know their phone it's with them 24/7 well it it gives us a unique opportunity to uh to constantly uh talk to them in in a way that uh, you know they're going to you know see and engage and react and have a point of view on and by themselves they will actually you know make the comparison i mean the phenomenon of um, you know unboxing videos for instance is something which uh, which doesn't really happen in the, in the uh, detergent category. <laughs> People <laughs> and, don't, don't do that with uh, Diet Coke. <laughs> I would and, love to see and that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the reality, it creates a, a whole condition for, uh, for us and even our partners. One of the amazing um, uh, ads that uh, uh, came about in our uh, last um, uh, uh, product launch, the uh, Galaxy S7, was actually done by one of our uh, carrier partners who actually did an ad of an unboxing video underwater, uh, which, uh, which was actually a, a really nice way of taking a, a phenomenon, which is those unboxing videos, and then you know, making it relevant to the actual product that we had just launched. Sure. I mean, but I guess to, to the original point, you know, in terms of having that, that strong competitor, do you, do you see any sort of direct sort of brand lift or, or sort of sales adjustment? Like, can you tie that back to, okay, we're going to, this year we're really going to take a shot at Apple and we think it'll have X or Y, Z effect. How do you kind of measure that? The beauty of the, 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 the time where we are, I think, uh, at Samsung is that, um, I mean, this is a wonderful phone. Uh, we have amazing products, and I think that the the products and the brand you know have the ability to talk in a very powerful and uh, and and kind of authoritative way about the quality uh, of this product and some of the functionalities uh, i I must say that uh, I personally cannot resist that 's not an ad that 's me mark you know most of the time when i 'm you know in a in a meeting in a dinner. And some people say, you know, let's take a picture of this gathering so we can remember. I'm having a hard time not putting out my phone and saying, well, if you want a real good memory of this event, well, why don't you use a great camera? <laughs> and, uh, and it works every time because we actually, you know, do a side-by-side. Other people, you know, Maybe because off. you're the CMO of Samsung, and, uh, it might be humoring you <laughs> slightly. No, the reality is it is a great camera. It is a great, and so we really have a, a, a certain, you know, set of, of features that uh, that really um, enable us to have um, you know a very competitive uh, argument, but without necessarily uh, having, to your point, of constantly comparing ourselves. I think people make the comparison uh, uh, because of that point I made before that it's an industry 
where you know people care about their phone, care about their choices. It's a reflection of who they are. Sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll have more with Mark right after this. Stick around. I'm Veronica Dagger. Do you want to know how the rich invest, spend, and protect their money? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the WSJ Podcast. I'm Jack Marshall here with my colleague Steve, P- Steve Pearlberg, and we are joined by Mark Mathieu, uh, Samsung C- uh, CMO. Um, so, Mark, we just sort of touched on this earlier, but uh, I want to get a sense from you how important social media is to your business as a marketer these days. Because uh, I feel like we've gone through sort of a few different phases. It began with uh, brands sort of joining the conversation on social media um, to sort of this concept of real-time marketing. And now I feel like for some companies it's grown into this bigger um, sort of customer service sort of interaction channel. Uh, and you touched on, obviously, you know, you guys – doing various things on social. So I'm just interested to get a sense of, of how that's evolved for you and how important that is for you as a marketer. Well, it's, uh, it certainly has become one of the core things that the marketer can use that, um, that uh, we didn't use before. Uh, in, you know, in theory, in the past, we had to do the totality of our job ourselves. Now the good news is we have millions of people who are willing to do you know, our job and then talk about our products, you know, in social media. Now, the challenge is they do it on their terms. Right. And, I mean, there must uh, be a potential downside as well. And therefore, have... we need to make sure that whatever we do, whatever we put out there is actually, number one, authentic. And, um, and at the same time, it's something that is interesting enough that, you know, when they're going to pick it up, if they pick it up, they are going to want not just to see it, but to also share it. Uh, I, one of the quotes I, you know, I've used many times is marketing used to be about creating a myth and telling it, and now it's about finding a truth and sharing it. But this idea of sharing, this idea of really understanding how to create marketing so that people will want to engage and will potentially become the amplifiers of, of that message uh, is actually changing the way we conceive some of the work, some of the messaging, some of the activation platform. And it's one of the things also that pushes us to create a marketing that's not just about telling, but also is about experiencing. So letting people experience the brand so that they, they kind of immerse themselves in something, ideally, that, that they want to tell others. It's, it's one of the things we do uh, wonderfully, I think, with virtual reality. Mm-hmm. You know, when people experience our products through VR, they fundamentally have an experience about Samsung that they want to share. And, uh, and, and when um, we mentioned before Samsung A37, when you come and you do those you know, 4D uh, chairs that uh, make you really feel like you're on a roller coaster, although you are in a leather chair and uh, you know that you're not moving, but I've seen some people you know, who just can't even do it because they really are scared of heights and of roller coasters and it gives you that feeling. Well, once you have, are done with that, you know, you want to take the, this experience and share it. Also, same at Samsung A37, we have this amazing uh, selfie uh, experience where people come and take a picture of themselves, nothing new, but then that picture is projected on a three-floor high 96 uh, Samsung visual display you know, screen, um, 
and the picture themselves is recomposed by another tens of thousands of pictures, so picture of other people that compose your own image. So like a mosaic. As a mosaic. Yeah. And, uh, and again, what do people do? They pull take their a phone off, it, take yeah. a picture Put of, it the, of their selfie, yeah. and then share it on their own social profiles. And, uh, and so it's, it's really uh, thinking about how we create a marketing that has that kind of like immersion effect on people so that they want to engage with it and share it. Uh, I often say, you know, thinking about people not just as an audience, but sometimes as the cast, mm-hmm. I think is one of the ways marketing has evolved. And that's a beautiful thing for us. Is that, for you as a marketer, is it sort of getting harder to measure um, the effectiveness and I guess ultimately the return on investment from some of this stuff? So you mentioned experiential. Another big trend in marketing, you know, in 2016 is sort of branded content and some of that stuff you mentioned VR. Um which is all great, but I wonder if it's getting harder to track and to sort of measure from a marketing perspective. One of the things that's great about uh, working in marketing at Samsung is that you have two kinds of marketing companies. You have marketing companies who have a playbook and kind of like, you know, repeat it over and over again and kind of almost play it to death to make sure that everything is going to work. In our industry, given the pace, given the change, given the competition, we know that we need to reinvent the playbook all the time. So in reality, there is not one week where we don't say, we've never done that. So we don't know how it's going to work, if it's going to work. But that brings us to constantly you know, experiment new things and, and you know, validate fast whether they're working for us and whether we should you know, amplify them and do more of them or whether we just need to move on. And again, given the pace, we, we you know, experiment new things over and over again but all the time. To Jack's point, I mean, some of the, some of the things that you're experimenting with are it, – you know, are harder to even in the moment figure out, okay, is this working? Like, you know, a piece of branded content is shared a couple million times, a couple million likes. How do you know? Is is that the barometer of success? Or, you know, do I really know that the Galaxy S7 is going to be flying off the shelf with a good piece of branded content in the, in the same way that I might know from a TV ad that it's going to yield certain sales? Yeah, well, I, I, at the end of the day, I mean, we are a business. So the ultimate, you know, ROI, you know, we know what it is. And, um, uh, the, the, one of the reasons why um, uh, we have our, our marketing offices on top of this uh, uh, experience center, which we have in the meatpacking, is because it actually provides a direct connection between the expression of the brand that's, you know, uh, for people in the street, you know, three floor below. But then on the top three floors, the actual team that creates, you know, the conditions for that brand to exist and for that marketing to, uh, to, to be, you know, uh, shown to people, to be uh, uh, demonstrated or uh, to involve people downstairs. So I think that having this constant feedback and having marketers that are really close to, you know, people not just as consumers, but people as human beings and understand how, you know, basically the marketing that we create in real time is having effect on people. We also have um, established a, a marketing command center where we uh, have, uh, you know, 
dozens of screens. We kind of like have them for free. So we can have quite <laughs> a few. Of the of screens, and uh, and uh, we monitor everything that happens in digital, in social media, uh, and, uh, and we cut it in so many you know, ways so that we in real time are able, especially when we do product launches, to listen, and we try to listen a lot, not just for the short term to you know adapt some of our creative real time, but also for the long term to know what people actually care about, and uh, that's also a, a great way for us to uh, know you know what people like about our product, but also what they you know will expect from maybe the next product iteration. And uh, and so this idea of listening to people, not just through you know research, but through real time. You know, uh, human insights, listening to people uh, live as well as on all the digital and social media and analyzing the feedback that people give us is uh, is today one of the critical part of our job. Sure. So how, how does that um, sort of change the way that you're working with advertising agencies, for example? Because that type of activity just a few years ago, you know, would be something that maybe you would have outsourced and now you're sort of... It sounds like you're you're building that in-house, sort of within your own four walls. Um, so I'm just curious, I mean, are you sort of handling more of that stuff in-house? Is that sort of the direction that you'd like to take it, or is social sort of a, a different um, beast? No, I mean, when we do that, uh, you know, our team, uh, the agencies are part of it. So the reality, uh, more and more... Given the multiplicity of uh, of um, channels and mediums, uh, not just the agencies, but even you know some of our uh, partners, you know uh, whether it's uh, Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat, are with us, you know, and are in this command center, and not only they listen, uh, but they also contribute to actually creating all those iterations, to validating whether the the partnership that we have is actually working and how to make it work better. So um, uh, the, the, the marketing you know, ecosystem uh, is really much broader than the four worlds that you talk about. And, and it's really about the totality of, of those uh, partners. There are so many specialists, so many experts nowadays that you can't have it all in-house. One thing that we do need to have in-house is the muscle to make sure that we get the best from our external partners. So one thing I've brought in house, and which you know more even than we had before, is some uh, some key talent when it comes to creative, when it comes to social, when it comes to you know digital, because that's the only way that you can build you know the muscle uh, of your agency partners and get the best of the best. You know, from uh, from uh, all the work that you do collaboratively with them. Well, spe- speaking of your relationship with agencies, we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast in the past few weeks and months. But a uh, big issue in sort of the advertising industry right now is agency transparency. There was a, a bombshell report. Um, I guess it was last month, the month before, yeah. from the Association of National uh, Advertisers talking about this issue of sort of rebates. Um, where you know a media company might sort of incentivize an agency um, to, to, to make a certain amount of spending without the marketer really being aware. And now that we finally have a real live marketer on the podcast, I'm, I'm curious uh, your thoughts about agency transparency, about the rebate issue. Is this something that you and your CFO have gotten involved in, and you're auditing your agencies, or you know what, what is your stance on on this issue? I, I think that um, again the the the, the luck. Uh, 
I have in, in this position. We have a, uh, a, a quite a big number of various specialists, but in reality, we have a limited number of uh, of agencies, far less complex than, for instance, the life that I had at Unilever, where we had a global network with uh, so many different brands, so many different agencies, so many different people involved. So um, I think that we do work very closely uh, with our agencies, and, and we try to establish that uh, relationship of trust. Uh, there's always been in the industry, there's always been, uh, you know, uh, kind of some uh, complexity. Uh, uh, and um, But I think that uh, overall, um, if you have a, a, um, a quality partnership with your agencies, that's something that um, you can avoid. You can avoid. So it sounds like you've you've been able to avoid that sort of thing in the in the past. Is that just you know you guys are really have your finger on the pulse of what your agency is up to and uh, have made that a priority? Uh, or um, let's let's say that uh, touching wood that I hope we do. <laughs> well, it's pretty interesting that you talk about sort of working with with fewer agencies because you know going back a few years, a lot of marketers would talk about you know you have to work with as many agencies as possible, um, with as you, many specialists as possible. Right. Okay. But the reality is, I think that you you need lots of specialists, but you don't need many specialists of the same kind, because otherwise you you don't establish that partnership. And again, because as I said, we constantly try to push the boundaries and invent a new, a new playbook. Uh, that is fundamentally trying to to make marketing more interesting, more immersive, more experiential in nature. Uh, we we I think we do it better with people with whom we have that partnership, that relationship, who understand us, who are part of our four worlds, as we mentioned before, and who really uh, understand also you know iteratively what we did in a previous launch. And therefore, how we're going to build on it for the next launch, etc. I mean, uh, it's interesting. If, you know, I've been with uh, Samsung uh, a little bit over a year. Um, I've been in so many launches already uh, that it's not even funny <laughs> compared to what I would. Uh, you know, I've been exposed in less than a year in uh, in uh, some of the previous companies where I was, where we have a much more, you know, long-term process, and so working with agencies who understand that pace and who, who get all those learnings and uh, and build every time so that we iterate to the next uh, level uh, our marketing playbook is uh, is something quite fundamental. All right, well, we have to wrap it up there. Uh, Mark, you, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Catch us next week on the WSJ Media Mix Podcast. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude.